Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Enterprise Architecture Radio. If you're thinking about organizational complexity and agility, if you're concerned about operational efficiencies and thinking of taking it to the next level, if managing innovation is one of your priorities, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we talk about all of that and more. It's a jungle out there, and we'll attempt to navigate this jungle of frameworks, methods, and most importantly, enterprise architecture in practice. Last couple of episodes, I've been talking about frameworks and exams and certifications. And I have a feeling that things might have gotten a little bit theoretical. Now, my audience is mostly enterprise architects. Of course, there are people who would be interested in certifications and theoretical stuff as well. But what is the point of looking at something if you can't really use it in your practical life? So this time I thought I would talk about something that is more practical. Majority of the work that I personally do at work is around public cloud and around infrastructure. And I thought that it would make sense to talk about that for a bit. So today I'm going to talk about the multi-cloud or the state of multi-cloud report. Now there's a report that has been published by Cockroach Labs, which I will be showing you today. And they have tried to understand the state or, or the condition that the world is in or the industry is in when it comes to multi-clouds. So let's take a look at that. How the report has been produced, there's a brief overview about Cockroach Labs. It's a creator of Cockroach DB, a cloud-native distributed SQL database for mission-critical workloads, etc., etc. The methodology that they have used is the quantitative data presented in this report comes from a research study sponsored by Cockroach Labs and conducted by Wakefield Research among 300 cloud architects and engineers between July 18 and July 24th, 2023. So it's quite recent. Using an email invitation on an online survey, respondents were selected against the profiling criteria for the study, cloud engineers and cloud architects, working at companies with $50 million and more than so on and so forth. So basically talks about the kind of companies that they've done research on and the kind of people that they've asked the questions, etc., the results of any sample are subject to sample variation, so there is going to be some variation from the real world. The magnitude of the variation is measurable and is affected by the number of interviews and the level of percentages expressing the results. For the interviews conducted in this particular study, the chances are 95 in 100 that a survey result does not vary, plus or minus by more than 5.7% at the total level and 98 at the market level. From the result that would be obtained if interviews have been conducted with all persons in the universe and are represented by the sample, right? So talk about variations a little bit. Uh, they need to talk about that. Now, how do you define multi-cloud? So they've given four terms. The first one is multi-cloud, which refers to at least two different public cloud computing environments. For example, AWS and GCP. These clouds may be used within the same application or for different applications. Any company that has in use accounts with multiple public cloud providers may be considered a multi-cloud. Hybrid cloud refers to using at least two different computing environments, one or more public cloud service providers, for example, AWS. So you could be working with AWS alone and you would still be a hybrid cloud as long as there's one cloud provider. And of course, there is the on-premise data centers or your own implementation of a private cloud. 
A company that is hybrid cloud may also be multi-cloud if it uses more than one public cloud service provider. So if you're working with AWS and GCP and you have your own private cloud, then you are a hybrid cloud as well as you are a multi-cloud. So that's a small difference between multi-cloud and hybrid cloud. And then we have inter-cloud. So inter-cloud refers to using multiple public cloud providers within the context of the same application. These clouds may be used for different workloads within the environment or single workload may be running across multiple public clouds. Inter-cloud is therefore a specific subtype of multi-cloud. So multi-cloud is the larger category and the inter-cloud is the smaller category within the larger multi-cloud. Which means if you have a single application and if, let's say, dev environment is on one public cloud, let's say AWS, and the production environment is on, let's say, GCP, then you are inter-cloud, okay? Or if the same application, production environment, some parts, some services are running in AWS and the others are running in GCP, that is also inter-cloud. And then we come to single workload multi-cloud, which is a smaller subset of the larger Intercloud refers to deploying a single workload across multiple clouds. For example, operating a single distributed database cluster that has nodes on both AWS and Azure. So if you look at the Venn diagram, then the single workload multi-cloud is the smallest subset. And then you've got inter-cloud and then uh, the largest is the multi-cloud. And then hybrid cloud is a mix and match of both. So Parts of that circle would be outside all these three circles, and that would be a hybrid cloud because it also includes uh, private cloud or on-premise data centers. So that's the definition of different kinds of clouds, that cloud um, environments that may exist, that a company may employ. And then we start with the data that has come in out of the survey. So you've got multi-cloud and hybrid cloud, hybrid cloud adoption, by country, and they've only taken three countries here, US, UK, and Germany. There is about 25% of people who are in multi-cloud, about 50% of people in hybrid cloud, considering hybrid cloud is a larger uh, superset of multi-cloud. And then 75% of the people in the hybrid cloud situation where there is one uh, cloud and one on-prem. So 25% overall, people are in the multi-cloud environment, which means they have uh, multiple clouds, AWS and Azure, for example. And then 50% of the people are there in the hybrid cloud situation where they have multi-cloud and on-prem at the same time. 75% roughly, or I'm not going to say 75%, I'm going to say, yeah, about 75-76% of people are there in the hybrid cloud situation where there is only one public cloud and one private cloud. And then about 25% of the people are either single cloud, which is either AWS or Azure or GCP, or on-prem only. They've not yet moved to the cloud. So out of that 25%, I would say 12, 13% of them are in the single cloud situation. And only about 10 to 11% of the people are there in the on-prem situation only overall in the US, UK and Germany regions, right? The next is the multi-cloud and hybrid cloud adoption by company revenue. So companies that are less than a billion dollars, well, actually the numbers look very similar. Um, whether they are under a billion dollars or over a billion dollars, about 23 to 24% of the people are there in the multi-cloud uh, situation. Uh, another 25 or 26% in the hybrid uh, multi-cloud plus on-premises situation. Uh, 
and then if you are over a billion dollars then uh, then about 80% i would say 50 82% of the people are uh, in the hybrid cloud one cloud plus one on premises data center situation and if you are under a billion dollars then about 22% more so that's 50 plus 22 about 72% of the people are you know a combination of either multi cloud hybrid cloud multi cloud plus on premise or hybrid cloud one cloud plus on premise situation and then 10 to 11% of the people are there in the on premise situation only right so that's how cloud is being multi cloud is being adopted by companies of different sizes now why are companies adopting the multi cloud situation various reasons 42% people said regulatory compliance and it's not one or the other situation so like for example 42% say regulatory compliance but then 41% say avoid vendor lock in now people who say avoid vendor lock in may also choose regulatory compliance so it's a mix and match of everything so 42% of the people are saying regulatory compliance uh, 41% are saying avoiding vendor lock in these are the biggest two categories 38% say they want to leverage leverage for csp negotiation so when you are negotiating with the cloud service providers if you have multiple clouds you get better pricing you know better negotiation so that's 38% and then merged or acquired company using so you merge with another company they are using a particular public cloud now you are using another one you get into a hybrid situation so or you are not on the public cloud and you merge with another company that is using a public cloud so you know 36% of the people uh, adopt multi cloud environments because of mergers and acquisitions um 32% other people uh, are uh, moving to the hybrid clouds so that they can hire from a larger talent pool and 32% on resilience for resilience so so that's the numbers but one thing to note here is majority of the people are moving to the public cloud situation because they want to make sure that there is regulatory compliance um and then we go on to this again country wise bifurcation of adoption of multi cloud and then how many companies are responding to dora now dora is the uh, european union's digital operational resilience act so how companies are responding to dora by revenue and company size so companies with uh, yearly revenue under 1 billion dollars 6% responded by having started discussions or having started making changes to move to public cloud uh, multi cloud environments 33% are saying that they are planning and preparing for changes into the multi cloud uh 21% are saying they'll wait and watch 7% are saying they are not sure and so on and so forth so under 1 billion dollar one thing that we need to look at is about 33% of the people uh, plus 6 so about 39% of the people are starting to make changes to their organization over a billion dollar companies uh, about 52% of the people have started making changes in their organization companies with fewer than 5000 people 30 40% 40% of the organizations have started making changes to move to multi cloud and about 52% of the companies that have more than 5000 employees have started making changes to their organization to start moving to the multi cloud environment when asked the question will regulations be a barrier or an accelerant for multi cloud adoption do you think it will be a barrier to move to multi cloud or is it going to be the catalyst that will move you to the multi cloud overall 12% of the people said it's going to be a significant accelerant which means many of the companies will move because of the regulations about 34% uh, will think they're going to be a small accelerant 
14% think it's not going to be an impact. Uh, 30% of the people think it's going to be a small barrier. 10% think it's going to be a major barrier in moving to the multi-cloud environment. And then we have small companies versus big companies. The differences are minimal. Uh, bigger companies are more inclined to think that it's going to be an accelerant. But on the other hand, bigger companies also have people who are more in number who think it's going to be a barrier. Avoiding vendor lock-in was another top reason respondents said that companies might look to multi-cloud. This was particularly a large concern for US respondents who ranked it above all other reasons for multi-cloud adoption. Personally, I also feel that organizations should go with a multi-cloud to one vendor lock-in. Second is it gives you better negotiation power. But not just multi-cloud, I think they should start thinking about inter-cloud and even uh, single workload multi-cloud environments. Negotiation leverage with cloud providers, one of the, uh, one of the motivations of adopting multi-cloud cited by 38% of the respondents in, in, in theory think that it gives you better negotiation power like I talked about just a bit ago. Another major driver of multi-cloud adoption is mergers and acquisitions and so on. We've already looked at this data. Now, the, the interesting part, right? More than half of multi-cloud companies have single workload multi-cloud services. One rather surprising result, and I am very surprised because I was doing some research around this particular configuration of single workload multi-clouds where, you know, I have a single application, for example, and I have multiple workloads on the same application, and some of these applications are uh, hosted on AWS, others are hosted on Azure, and a combination and an orchestration is done between them. But I could not find any particular framework or any good implementation or a case study out there on the internet. But this data, rather surprisingly, says that already 55% said they were running at least one workload across multiple clouds. So overall, 55% uh, planning to run at least one workload uh, across multiple clouds, 18%, and no plans to invest in SWMC. Uh, this type of complex inter-cloud deployment appears to be most common in Germany, uh, 59%. U.S. multi-cloud companies were the most likely to say they weren't running any uh, workloads across multiple clouds and have no plans, 39%, like we looked at the data. And then implementation of single workload multi-cloud at multi-cloud companies. So overall, 4% have single workload multi-clouds. 25% uh, have one single workload multi-cloud workload across multiple clouds. And then the rest are not there. They don't even have any plans. The primary technical challenges uh, associated with single workload multi-cloud deployments relate to consistency and networking. So data consistency is possible whenever any kind of data is being shared across multiple clouds. And then networking is likely to be a challenge in single workload multi-cloud deployments within a single cloud machine. Availability zones and other regions are connected with hard lines that are optimized for minimum latency and not exposed to the public internet. But there's currently an insufficient incentive for clouds to optimize connections between their networks and those of competing cloud providers especially. Companies that want to leverage single workload multi-cloud must carefully consider how they'll manage the communications between clouds. So that's an interesting point to think about. And then there are a couple of other challenges that I will talk about in some other episode. Multi-cloud adoption is growing, but it's not going to be easy. So this is a topic of my interest, uh, considering that this is one of the things that I'm doing at this point in time. Currently, uh, we are a multi-cloud 
organization. Um, we have multiple cloud service providers who we are working with. Along with that, we also have a hybrid, which means we have our on-premise data centers. And we do have plans at some point in time to go towards the single workload multi-cloud environment. But And this is a topic of my interest because I do think that single workload multi-cloud environments can give you many things. One is it avoids the vendor lock-in. Second is it gives you the negotiation power with your public cloud service providers. Thirdly, it is a better deployment. Now, the networking is going to be the biggest challenge. Of course, data inconsistency is also a challenge, but it's something that can be handled. Networking is going to be a much bigger challenge. And we'll really need to look into how we are going to implement that if we are planning to implement it in the future. I hope you like this episode. I usually keep my episodes really short, about 10 to 15 minutes, so that people don't get bored and run away. Today's is slightly long, considering that I've presented the uh, State of Multi-Cloud report. Uh, I will post the link to the State of Multi-Cloud report in the show notes. Do go through it in detail. I could not present everything due to the lack of time. But it's an interesting report, and it does open up my mind to the possibility of, uh, of... leveraging multiple clouds for our workloads. Once again, Enterprise Architecture Radio is not just a podcast. It is a collaboration platform. It is a community of enterprise architects coming together, helping each other out, learning from each other, guiding each other, but most importantly, having fun. That's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. More about organizational agility, innovation, and enterprise architecture in the practical world, in the business, right here on the show. But before I end the show, I want you to help me out with this one little thing. Pause the show and share this podcast via WhatsApp or text message with at least one person who might be interested in the show. It could be anyone, your colleague, your boss, someone in your team. That's all I ask. Just one share with one message via text or WhatsApp or any social media of your choice. And it would go a long way in supporting this podcast and growing this listener base. Also, please don't forget to follow the podcast. That way, you'll get notified when we publish a new episode. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at enterprisearchitectureradio.com. If you have ideas, thoughts, disagreements, please feel free to write to me directly. Uh, We also have a Telegram group if you would like to contribute to the EA discussions or what have you. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio on Telegram. The URL to join the group is https colon slash slash t.me slash enterprise architecture radio. While our contact details are there in the show notes, we are very easy to find. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio anywhere. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, even Discord. Once again, I hope you had fun and I'll see you in the next one.